0: Now, yesterday, we had an encounter. We had a weekend encounter. We had it yesterday, the whole day, from 9 to about 6 p.m. If you see the slide, it culminates today. Today is basically like a wrap-up of what we encountered yesterday. Now, because not all of you were here we'd like to share with you some truths, some life-changing truths that we've encountered. One of the truths that we discussed yesterday was that God loves you unconditionally, and He desires a father-child loving relationship with you. God will accept you as is where is, but in His love for you, He will not let you remain as is where is. We also learned that sin is bad. It is so bad that sin is deadly. Sin separates a sinful person from a holy God. But because of God's great love for each and every one of us, Jesus died on the cross to completely pay for our sins. Salvation came at the cost of the life of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. A most cruel death. Do you realize. That there is no other society. Today. That executes their criminals. By crucifixion. It is so bad. That after the Roman Empire. Nobody is crucified. Nobody is put to death anymore. By crucifixion. And. Yesterday before we ended. We discussed. That the Christian life is impossible. And it is only possible. It's kind of confusing, right? It's impossible, but it's possible. So what is it? It is only possible through the life of Jesus Christ in you. As you let the Holy Spirit of God fill your life, then you will be able to live a victorious Christian life. So these are just part of what we shared with that group yesterday. And I don't mean to embarrass you, but if you were here yesterday, can you please stand so that people around you can see how many we were? Please stand. If you were here yesterday during that weekend encounter, come on, don't shy. Don't be shy. Stand up. Let's praise God for these people who attended yesterday. Thank you, you may be seated. Not only did we discuss the Bible, we also had three people come up here and share with the group what God has been doing in our life. Our brother Hill, our brother Bobby, our sister Marina. They came up here and shared what God has been doing in their life. And God continues even today. Now, after that encounter, usually, you have a spiritual high. Have you ever attended the retreat in the past? Yes. So, what do you experience? You're so high. You're so gung-ho. And then, what now? What's next? Where do I go from here? That's what I would like to share with all of us this morning. That... After all of that, we need vision and a mission. What in the world am I here for? Now that I have encountered God, what does God want for me to do? Is that a valid question? Would you like to find out the answer? Come back next week. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Now look at this. Coca-Cola, Colgate, Apple, Mac, Starbucks, Toyota, Rolex, Gucci, Christians. All right? Coca-Cola is known for? Colgate is known for? Apple is known for? Starbucks is known for? Ah, wrong. Expensive coffee. If you go down the street, it's 50 cents. If you go on the other side, it's five bucks. Toyota? Cars. Rolex? Rolex. Gucci? Ah, uh, Christians? Oi, We don't really know. Why? Some people, because of their witness, because of how they live their lives, even if they say that they're Christians, people see a disconnect. Why? Perhaps... They have not understood what their mission, they have not understood what their vision is. Or maybe they have a disconnect between God, God's mission for them and what they believe to be their mission. So is it important to discuss mission and vision? I believe so. Mission versus vision. Are they the same? Kind of, sort of. So let's look. Mission defines what we do. Vision, on the other hand, is a picture of what we will happen if we will fulfill our mission. Get it? Vision lets us see the future before it comes into being. Now, a lot of those of you in the corporate world, I work for the Department of Public Social Services of LA County. Our mission and vision is that we provide caring and effective service. So, If I happen to be your worker, and I'm rude, and I'm not compassionate towards you, you have the right to bring it up to our supervisors. Why? Because our strategy is to provide effective and caring service. That is our mission. That is our mission and vision, all right? Now, let's do a little guessing game. I'm going to show you what the mission, vision statement are or is, and then you tell me what company it is, all right? To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Huh? Google, Google, very good. (laughs) To enable people and businesses throughout the world to realize their full potential. (laughs) I don't know that company. What is it? Guess what? Very good, Hill. Microsoft. How about this? To make people happy. Huh? What? Jolly B? Well, come on. Jolly B? No. Walt Disney. How many of you have been to Disneyland? Does it make you happy when you go to Disneyland? No. Why? Because you pay. You know, I found out recently that Disneyland just increased their yearly pass again. It's now more than $1,000. And how do they reel you in? Just pay every month. You just pay down 99 and you pay this amount every month. Still, when you sum it all up, how much have you paid? Right? How about this? To give ordinary folk the chance to buy the same thing as rich people. Walmart! Very good! Not that Chang'e in Green Hills. Alright? No. How about this? To bring great things and happiness to everyone. Five, four, three, two, one. Anyone? (laughs) Jollibee! Now look how happy that bee is. Do you realize that Jollibee just recently purchased 40% of a hamburger chain in Texas for $100 million dollars? I did a thesis during my college days on Jollibee. They started with a food truck. During that time, it was not even a truck. It had no engine, it had a, a large food cart. They bought their products from Goldilocks for their bread. They did this, they did that. And as they grew and grew and grew and grew, now they have their own billion commissary because they want this to happen to bring great taste and happiness to everyone what is your mission and vision in life is it to have a positive impact on the people around you to the glory of God mission is a statement this is what we are supposed to do it informs it has to deal with the mind with the head you start out with your mission why am I here then you have a vision a picture a snapshot what will it be in the future it is supposed to inspire and it deals with the heart and it follows if you have the right mission now why do we need vision now this is a true story I have this ability to make you all disappear are you ready I just see shapes now. <laughs> Why? Because my vision is bad. And I need spectacles to correct my vision. Now, this also is a true story. One of our pastors from CCF Manila is an ophthalmologist. Okay? So I go to his clinic. And in his clinic, there's a false door. You have all the, you know, the glasses here. The frames, they're all in display over there. You have sunglasses over here. You have bifocals over here, etc., etc. Now, his clinic was inside. False door. So I'm there. So he sit, sits me down. How about this? How about that? Oh, this is perfect. You know those big things Then they adjust? <laughs> Can you see which is black? Is this this? Is this right? Right? Yeah. So now, and I'm sure he regrets it. He asks me to walk around, so he opens the door. And if you know me, I like to joke a lot, right? So with that big thing over there, I go out. Oh, this is really good. I can really see, where are you, where are you? So he's like, that. all the customers are looking. And he's like, what are you doing to my business? I need a correction of my vision so that I know where I am and I can see where I should be headed. Why do we need vision? Vision gives us direction. Vision keeps us focused. Vision attracts cooperation. Vision enables us to gauge progress. Vision reduces frustration Vision prepares us for eternity and vision inspires passion. You see, when you and I have the same mission and vision, it's very easy for us to cooperate, to work with each other. Why? We have the same goal. Now, if all of us have different visions and missions, when we, when we need you to be part of this or that, you won't participate. Why? You don't share the same mission and vision. So it's important. It is so important, in fact, that the book of Proverbs in chapter 29, verse 18 tells us. Can we read this? Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You like that kind of English? (laughs) Thee thou thine? Like that song, I'm really blessed. You know, those old songs and hymns, they're teaching songs. And God has given our songwriters today the wisdom to modernize it. Be thou my vision. See? Now, I give you another translation, perhaps easier to understand. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now, do you want to be happy? Yes or no? Right, go to Disneyland, eat the bee you want to be happy or you want to experience joy? Joy. Now, why do you want to experience joy? Joy is happiness independent, okay? Independent of circumstances. Happiness, on the other hand, is dependent on your circumstance. Joy is a fruit. Of the Holy Spirit it is a byproduct of one's personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that person submits to the control of the Holy Spirit in his life and he or she can be joyful even in the midst of devastate devastation of grief of trial of hardship joy you cannot manufacture it is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit in your life happiness is fleeting joy will be with you for all eternity If you don't have any vision, the writer of Proverbs says, people perish. If you don't have any spiritual guidance, you will grow wild. It's like you're in the forest. You don't have a map, you get lost. And if you're not able to recover, what happens to you? You'll die. Because you have no way in or out of the forest. Matthew 16:26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You and I, we, have, we all have desires, right? We have desires. Now, are these desires necessarily wrong? No. How many of you want to own a house? How many of you want a car? How many of you want a good paying job? How many, yes, the young people, they're all raising their hands. How many of you need a new iPhone? How many of you need this? How many of you need that? No problem. But it's always an exchange. What will you give up so that you can have this? Now, I want to be the best. Corporate president. Anything wrong with that? No. But according to Matthew 16, if you and I are running after all these things at the exchange, at the expense of our soul, then what happens to us? We will slip into eternity thinking that we have done what God has asked us to do and we will be surprised that it is not what God expected me to do. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what will you give in exchange for your soul? This morning, I give you an outline, just three points. What is your view of God? What is God's view of you? And what is God's mission for you? As we go to the Word of God, may I please ask all of us to stand as we read from the book of Isaiah Just a few verses. Let's read everyone out loud Isaiah chapter 6 beginning with verse 1. In the year of Isaiah's death, holy 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 is the Lord of Hosts the earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold then I said woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live a peep of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King the Lord of Hosts then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. God, we ask you, Lord, to open our hearts, our ears, and our minds to what you would like us to listen to you this morning. God, may we hear and see only what you want us to hear, to say, and to do. God, we commit this time to you, Lord God. Fill us all, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, that we may understand your truth, and most importantly, Lord, that we may obey it in our lives. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is your view of God. Yesterday, the very first message was entitled The Father's Love. The challenge was Your attitude determines your behavior. So it is really important to have the right view of who God is. And Isaiah the prophet, young as he was, he was called to be a prophet of the Lord. And God gave him what? God gave him a vision. And God gave him a vision that we should all appreciate because God is holy. God is perfectly holy. There is no iota of sin in God. Therefore, even if God allows something adverse to happen to you, You have to remember that God is still holy. That God is still set apart. He has his own way of doing things. He has his own reason. How do we know that God is holy? Isaiah, as God gave him this vision, he said in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Now when a leader dies, usually there is political turmoil. Right? All of a sudden, when President Kennedy was assassinated, you have turmoil. Here, King Uzziah is dead. But what did Isaiah see? He saw the Lord sitting on his throne if you are relaxed like I see all of you here you're relaxed you're not as tense as I am you're there you're seated you're relaxed Isaiah is telling us nothing escapes God it's not as if he is like a human being he's seated all of a sudden he gets the news uh, King Uzziah is there huh? why? what happened? Who, who did it? why? how did he die? No. God knows everything. Relax. Take it easy. I know what I'm doing. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, lofty and exalted, and his train, the train of his robe, filling the temple. Wow, so majestic a picture. And what was happening in verse 2? Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. There goes our picture of the angel. Have you ever pictured him with six wings? And what were the angels doing? With two, he flew. With two wings, he was covered his feet. And with the other two, what was he doing? Covering his? Never mind. The object is this. They were worshipping God. They could not even look. And how do we know that they were worshipping God? And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of His glory. Now, in their time, they don't have what the English grammar has today as superlatives. Good, better, best. If you play uh, pusoy, you will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there is no superlatives. So during that time, the way that they will express the superlatives is to repeat. And the, the most superlative, you repeat three times. Holy, 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 who is the Lord? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. He already explained to us the glory of Himself when He created everything, including you, including me. That's why the book of Romans tells us that God introduced himself through his creation. That's why no one has an excuse not to know God. And who is God? What is your view of God? God is holy. Only God is holy. Based on this passage, do you think that God needs us to worship Him? Who is worshiping Him? Wow, you're so convinced. Who is worshiping God? When did this worship begin? Since eternity passed, this was already happening. We do not add any glory to who God already is. Oh God, you should be happy. I'm here in CCF, huh? I woke up early. Oh God, huh? I pay my tithe. The pastor said 10%. I give 10.1. God, I serve in the food, huh? My friends, I give double portion. You and I, we cannot add anything to who God already is. Because God is all sufficient, God is all knowing, God is everything. You and I we cannot add anything to who He is. We just have to acknowledge in ourselves that God is holy. what is your view of God your view of God will determine your behavior second what is God's view of you okay I have a proper view of God God is holy so what now right what is God's view of you now don't throw your shoes at me okay I'm not making this accusation. I'm just reading from the Bible. God's view of me is that I am a sinner. What makes me a sinner? The kind of sin? The color of skin? The sin? The frequency of my sin? Or is it it enough for me to commit one sin and I am a sinner? What is it? one sin okay Uh, if I do not steal but I kill what am I? according to the law for example the law of the land I am a what? I am a murderer I am a criminal but I only killed once Does that justify it? That's why the book of James tells us that whoever keeps the whole law, okay, this is a good person, he obeys the whole law, yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all. Wow! That is such a very high standard. You bet. Because God's standard is holiness. Who said do not commit murder also said do not commit adultery. Therefore, if you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. That's the black and white of God. How many of you know how many times Adam and Eve disobeyed God by eating of the fruit? Just once. And what happened? They died both physically and spiritually. They were separated from God And they were cast out from the Garden of Eden. We have to realize that only God is holy. And compared to God, I am a sinner. Let's read Isaiah. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, this is Isaiah now speaking. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined Because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Who was Isaiah? He was a prophet. But when he encountered a holy God, what was his realization? He said, Woe is me. I am ruined. Why? I am a man of unclean lips. Now, have you ever lied? Hey, yes. pastor, white, line, white, white lie. White lie, white <laughs> lie. Who gives colors to lies? Only we human beings give color. Blue lie, black lie, white lie, green lie. If you're from Salle, green lie. If you're from Ateneo, blue lie. Okay? We just give all of those excuses. As far as God is concerned, that is untruth. That is a lie. That's why Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. Not only that, I live among a people of unclean lips. More than that, I have seen the glory of the Lord of hosts. I am ruined. No one can see God and live. That's why when Moses asked to see Him, God said, Okay, you go into the cleft of the rock. My glory will pass, but you can only have a glimpse of my holiness when I pass. You can only peep through the back. No one can encounter God face to face and live. Why? Only God is holy, and I am but a sinner. I am ruined. Just like Isaiah said, I am ruined. We are ruined because we are not holy. Therefore, we're lost. And friends, that's why we have this. Because God knows that we are separated from Him because of our sin. God knows that we are lost. So what did God do? In Luke 9, for the son of man, Jesus Christ, has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's why God sent Jesus. Jesus now speaking in Matthew 9:36, and seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. You have sheep, you have no shepherd. Who's going to lead them? Where are they going? You know, sheep are so dumb. For example, they're, they're grazing, and it's a cliff, so they're eating, right? You know, you have their, their face to the ground always, so they don't know what's happening around them, so they're eating. And he falls in the cliff. Guess what? The others behind will also eat. That's why you don't see the sheep in the Barnum and Bailey circuses. Can you do Okay, jump! He They're just dumb. And when Jesus saw the multitudes, He had what? Compassion. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. No one was leading them. What else? 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who what? Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So why did God the Father send His one and only begotten Son Jesus Christ based on these verses? God sent Jesus Christ to seek and to save those which were lost. God saw that we are bound for destruction. So Jesus Christ had compassion for us. God, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, tells us that it is God's desire to save everyone who wishes to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that these people may come to the knowledge of truth. My friends, if you do not understand or if you do not believe that you are lost, guess what? You will not think that you need a Savior. You won't need a Savior. Why? Because you believe you're not lost. So why do I need a Savior? Right? It begins with the proper view of who God is. God is holy. Second, I have to have a proper view of how God looks at me. I am a sinner. I have to understand that because of this disconnect between a holy God and a sinful man, that I need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And friends, God has seen to it he has provided everything necessary for your salvation and mine. Ephesians 2, 8-10 tells us, For by grace you have been saved. It's in the past perfect participle. Something that happened in the past continues to have an effect in the present and will continue to have an effect in the future. It's not something you need to guess about. It's already a done deal. It's already been provided. And what is the basis? God's grace. How do we experience this grace? It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. For by grace you have been saved, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. How do you accept the gift? If it is offered, you have a choice. Accept it or reject it. It is not my works, lest you boast. When you go to heaven, if you are able to go to heaven, what will you say to God? God, you need to let me in. Why? Uh, I did this. Okay, what else? Well, I did that. Okay, what else? I did this, I did that. How about Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. What else? Oh, you missed the point. There's this story about a rich man who died. And because he had no heir, he had his estate auctioned. There were a lot of very expensive paintings. But there was this one painting that was a portrait of his son, Now, it was not a good painting, to say the least. But it was number one on the auction. So number one, they brought out the painting. Okay, bid. Ugly painting. Nobody wanted to bid. Guys, if this is not sold, we cannot go through the rest. But nobody wanted to bid. They were waiting for the whatever it is over there at the back, right? You usually save the best for last, right? Until somebody plays a bid. Once. Twice. Sold. That concludes the auction. What do you mean? How about the others? No. The person who died In His will, He said, this picture of His Son, whoever has the Son, has everything else. If you have the Son of Jesus Christ, God says, you are saved. You have been saved, not because of who you are, not because of what you have done or have not done. You are saved on the basis of God's grace towards you. See, it's very clear. Not by works so that no one should boast. Why? We are all created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. It is our responsibility to be good. It is our responsibility to do good to other people. And that is not the means to go to heaven. Why? Because we are sinners. And it only takes an act of God to save you and to save me from the penalty of my sin. That is called the grace of God. You see, we expect what? Justice. Justice is what? You get what you deserve. Hmm. Right? That's good for you. You deserve that. What is mercy? Ah, never mind. It's okay. So you don't get what you deserve, right? But grace is different. Grace is getting something that you never ever deserve. That's why it is a gift. You still have a choice. God does not force His grace on you, He gives you the choice. Your view of God determines your view of yourself. God is holy. I am a sinner. What is God's mission for you then? What is God's mission for you? Let's continue. Isaiah 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to him with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth and with it and said, Behold, it has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. What did Isaiah do? Prior to this verse, what did Isaiah do? He said, Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. What is that? Is that not a confession of who He is in light of who God is? You see, our problem many times is we compare ourselves to other people. Are you and I guilty of that? Well, I'm better than him and I'm better than her. Therefore, God will accept me. But in God's system, that He alone is holy, we are all in the same boat. So when Isaiah realized that only God is holy, he uttered in confession, Oh man, I'm ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner and I live among sinners. And my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. And when he confessed, what happened? One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth and with it said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted the forgiveness that God is offering to you through the cross of Jesus Christ? And then what happens? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Do you notice the sequence? Isaiah had an encounter with God. He saw how holy God is. In that encounter, he realized how sinful he is compared to God. And in humility, Isaiah, being a prophet as he is, confessed that he is a sinner. And then, because of his confession, he was forgiven. And do you see that small article in grammar? Then, after he had confessed, what happened? Then, he heard the Lord. Sin covers God's face. Sin does not allow God to hear. But when you have a right view of God and a right view of yourself and you take the humility to confess, then I submit to you, you will hear the voice of God. Then I heard the voice of God. And, and God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit they were talking to each other and they said whom shall I send who will go for us is God sending you then I said Isaiah replied here I am send me if you're like me to be honest here I am Send George. (laughs) Here I am. Send Peter. Don't send me. Send somebody else. Do we have volunteers? Yes, I volunteer my brother over here. We don't want to take responsibility. Let's be responsible to have a right view of God that only God is holy, to have a right view of God's view of us that we are sinners and that we humble ourselves and confess And then God can begin to use us. Because then we will be able to hear what God wants us to do. But without A, B, you cannot get to C. We need to have the right vision of who God is and what God wants us to do. Now, not all people have the same mission and vision, okay? Look at some of the people from the Bible. Abraham. Abraham. What was his mission? To leave his homeland and be a father of a great nation. Moses, his vision was to lead the people out of Egypt. Joshua, his mission was to conquer the promised land. Nehemiah, his mission was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, his mission was to evangelize the Gentiles. Now, where did all of this mission and vision statement come from? from God. They had different roles to play, but this was still part of God's great plan for the salvation of man. Because who is the ultimate blessing from the lineage of Abraham? Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, if you read the genealogy of Jesus, it says, Jesus, the son, the seed of Abraham. So you see in God's great plan, all of these are role players. The main character from beginning to end in the Bible is Jesus Christ. God's redemptive plan of salvation for sinners like you and me. Paul's mission was different. Paul, then called Saul, was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader he was part of the elite group now when people were beginning to put faith in Jesus Christ they began to turn their back on their religion this irritated to say the least the Apostle Paul so he said if anyone belongs to the way meaning Jesus Christ I'm going to put them in jail he was so committed to what he believed his mission and vision was that on the road to Damascus he asked the high priest can you give me a piece of paper saying that in my journeys if I encounter anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah I have the authority to put them in jail so he got that he got his mission order so he's on his way to the to Damascus and God Not Paul, because Paul was unmindful of God. God had an encounter with Paul. He fell off his horse. Now, we don't have time to discuss that. But when Paul was called before King Agrippa to give an account of what he was doing, this is what he said. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise, stand to your feet. For this purpose, for this mission, I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that he may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. God sends you wherever he wants to send you. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Now, who are the Gentiles? If you are not a Jew, then automatically you are a Gentile. Is anyone here of the Jewish faith? Yes or no? Or oh, you're asleep. <laughs> is anyone here who is a Jew? No. If we are non-Jews, what are we? Gentiles. Alright? Just to be sure. Because that's what the Bible teaches us. If you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So what was Paul's mission? To bring the gospel, to leave the Jewish faith, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Early on in church history, Peter was the one given the task. Peter, you go to the Jews, you bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why yesterday, how many were baptized in one day? Those of you who were here and you remember. 3,000. Why? It was Peter sharing to the Jews. Paul, on the other hand, was sent to the Gentiles. That was his mission. And how do we know that he fulfilled his mission? What did he say to King Agrippa in the last line? King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, all these famous men of the Bible, they had their own mission. They had their own vision. God wanted them to do different things in line with the grand scheme, the master plan of God for salvation. Now, if you're here this morning, I want to let you know you have a mission. You have. A vision. Matthew 28, 18-20 tells us, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Whose mission is this? Everyone who calls himself a disciple, a follower, a believer of Jesus Christ should have this mission, vision, statement for himself or herself. There is no other mission and vision for you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Who is this giving us this mission? He introduces himself as Jesus Christ. All authority, both in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Therefore, I am telling you, go and do what? That is our primary mission and vision in life. As we go about our daily routine, we must be cognizant, we must be aware that we have a mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone and everyone willing to listen and to help these people grow in their faith. Because as a Christian, that's stagnant. When you become a disciple, it means you are a follower. It's not enough to be converted to Jesus Christ. God never called us to make converts. He called us to make disciples. That's why we have this. How do we make disciples? Share with them all about the love of Jesus Christ. Help them to grow. Help them to read the Bible. Help them pray. Establish them in a small group when they will be helped. What else do we need to know? Here, make disciples. What else are we supposed to do? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Four of you are going to be baptized today. Right here behind this banner, we have a baptistry. And we're going to baptize you. Now, we don't just baptize anyone. Because only disciples, only committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should be discipled. And should be baptized. So this is not a ceremony. This is a testimony. This is my commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. That I will follow Him all the days of my life. No matter what. When we teach the Bible. According to the passage. We don't teach them just for information. Teaching them what? Teaching them to obey. Teaching them to observe. Teaching them to follow. Why? We don't want to make Bible scholars. God gave us the mission to make disciples. If you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a Christian. But until you begin to obey, friends, you cannot call yourself a disciple now how do I know if I'm a disciple Romans 8 29 says for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among the many brethren the way to know if a person is a disciple of Jesus Christ if you see the character of Jesus Christ in this individual. It's an ongoing process. Do you see your mission there? You, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your mission is to look more and more like Jesus Christ. That's why even if you come to Christ as is where is, he will not let you stay as is Where is Jesus Christ is committed to form you, to shape you, to change you, to be conformed to His image. Praise God He will not let you carry your cross. He carried it once for all time. That's it. He wants you to change like Himself. He wants you to be more and more like Jesus. Ah, I didn't sign up for this. Well, neither did I. But look at what he says in John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you. For what purpose? And appointed you that you should go bear fruit. And that fruit should remain. So that whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. Did you choose God? God chose you. And when he chose you, what did he command you to do? He appointed you to what? Bear fruit. Fruit that will last now I praise God that when he gives you a mission when he gives you a command to do something that he supplies what you need to fulfill that mission he has supplied you the Holy Spirit to guide you to mold you to shape you and look at what his promise is I am the vine You are the branches. He who abides in me, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Have you observed vines? What do they do? They just hang. Right? The branches, they just hang. It is the branch, the main branch, that supplies the nutrients to the branches. The branches are relaxed. They just go about what they're supposed to do. It is the vine that supplies everything. And who is this vine? Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. What do we need to do? Abide. What does the word abide mean? Just stay connected. Just draw from the sufficiency of Christ. And what will be the outcome? You and I will bear fruit that will last what else can we be assured of Paul writes I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus will God work in your life do you need to do anything yes you have to abide you have to continue you have to obey but what is the promise God will see it through fruition. God will see it through perfection. God will see to it that you will bear much fruit. All I need to do is abide. All I need to do is stay connected. All I need to do is keep on obeying God. Because discipleship is teaching them to obey If I do not love God, why will I obey God? What is in it for me? What is in it for these people from the Old Testament and the New Testament? What would it be for Paul? That he would give up everything and become a tent maker to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentiles who would like to kill him. Why? Because you know what? God gives us a mission. But God also is a rewarder. Paul writes uh, towards the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. God is a rewarder, friends. God will reward you. But in the meantime, while I'm waiting for my call to eternity... My life here on this earth should be pleasing to God. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 and 10, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For why? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. God is a rewarder. Hebrews 11:6 6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone who comes to God, number one, must believe that He is. Number two, that He is a rewarder to those who earnestly seek Him. So if you want to embrace the mission and vision that God has given you, embrace it full on, knowing that God is with you, God will supply what you need, and God will reward you for your faithful service. Amen. That's why he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Enter the rest of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Serving the Lord will not tire you out. Giving your best to the Lord will not deplete you because He will reward you and His reward is out of this world. What is God's mission for you? I submit to you, your mission is crystal clear. That I need to be a disciple and that I need to make disciples of others I should invest my life in that because that is what God has appointed me to do just think about this you are the owner of a business you told your janitors I want you to sweep the floor tonight so that when I come in tomorrow morning the floor is crystal clear. All right? Yes, sir. So when the owner leaves, he begins to fix the chair. Oh, he noticed the bulb, light bulb is busted. He fixes it. Oh, the dishes are dirty. Let's clean. And then the owner comes back. I told you to clean the floor. But, sir, I saw the chairs were in a mess, so I fixed them. And then I saw the light bulb. So I fixed them. And then I saw the dishes. I cleaned them. What about the floor? Did I not command you? Did I not give you instructions to clean the floor? Did I not command you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and I promise you that I will be with you always, even to the end of the day? Oh, but God, I put up a church over here. God I started the discipleship group over here. But God I taught bible over here. But God I give tithe over here. Am I making sense? That if you're doing that apart from the mission and vision that God has given you, you miss the point. You miss the whole point. God has only one thing for us to do. Make disciples. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them and involve them in your life and help them to grow more like Christ go make disciples first you have to be a disciple yourself you cannot share what you do not have second you need to join a discipleship group near you what? another trip? if you really want to grow in the Lord you have to invest why do you drive to work? because you want to get paid right join a group near you if you live in Santa Clarita please do not sign up to be in Riverside God has given us wisdom right hello brother Nat. sorry uh, I can't make it to Riverside I'm stuck here in Santa Clarita that's like what 75 miles away hello You have something in Burbank. You have something in in Encino. Why do you want to go to Riverside? In the D group, in the discipleship group, you will be guided to learn and grow to be a committed disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. How many of you are already engaged in discipleship groups? I don't want to embarrass anyone. I just want to lay it out there. All right, and then after you're disciple, you're becoming a disciple yourself. Join a D group. You learn to grow, and then what? Disciple others also. Pastor, I don't know where I get disciples. Do you have a family? You don't need to go far. Husband, disciple your wife. Parents, disciple, your children. Let us stop making excuses to God. Moses, I want you to go. I don't know how to speak. I will speak for you. What if they don't believe? I'll take care of it. Just go. Let's stop making excuses to God. I challenge you this morning. Embrace the mission and vision that God has given to you. Why? because there's going to be a great worship service much 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 bigger than this and that's what we should be looking forward to in Revelation chapter 7 as we close after these things I look and I be and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation tribe people and tongue, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. My challenge to you this morning, are you going to be part of that multitude? If you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship. If you have Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior, you can count yourself as part of this multitude, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But without Jesus Christ, you can't count yourself here. If you're part of this multitude, and there's worshiping, this is just a drawing, and they're worshiping God and the Lamb, and you're looking around you, praise God, I'm here. Where's mom? Where's dad? Where's my elder brother? Where's my younger sister? Where are they? And you don't see them. You knew all along that Jesus Christ was the only way for them to be in that multitude. But for whatever reason, whatever excuse you gave, you didn't bother to share the love of Jesus with your family. What a tragedy it would be that you, of all your family members, would be alone in heaven while they spend the rest of their eternity. In hell. You have that mission. God can do things. But he has chosen to use ordinary men like you and me to share the gospel. How dare we lay aside the mission and vision that God has given to us. Because it is uncomfortable, it will cost us, it is uneasy, and all those excuses. I pray that you and I will embrace the mission that God has given to us. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Help yourself grow by being part of a D group and learn how to disciple others. Begin with your family so that you can enjoy the rest of eternity together.